Well, all right. Welcome back. This is Divinal Intervention, the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, David, uh, here today observing social distancing like I'm sure uh, most, if not all of you are. So everyone out there, stay safe. And hopefully our discussion today and some of the music that we play will help you pass the time. Our current mood is as follows. I know a lot of folks uh, have been playing their coronavirus-themed uh, song lists, and, and some have been very, very clever, I have to admit. Uh, this is not going to be that episode, but I did want to throw in a few myself uh, before we get into this week's topic. So uh, you heard Joy Division with Isolation, and Iggy Pop also with his version of a completely different song called Isolation. And I'm channeling all of us, I think, right now. As cool as those tracks are, though, uh, I don't think I'm the first one that's uh, played them or posted them this week. Um, but I do suspect that the next one I'm going to play for you is a bit more unique. That's the Infectious Grooves with a song of the same name. Uh, these guys were a side project of Suicidal Tendencies. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, if this is the first time you've heard them or if you've not heard them in a while, I would definitely invite you to check out uh, the two releases that they had. All right, let's get on with the episode. Uh, this episode is informally going to be titled Help Wanted Lead Vocalist. You know, bands come and go, drummers come and go, uh, insert Spinal Tap reference here. Uh, guitarists, bassists, singers, you know, they come and go in rock, uh, in, as well, well as other genres. But uh, it is rare that you know, a well-known lead singer either voluntarily or involuntarily leaves uh, a band when the band is kind of riding high, when the band is 
um, maybe not necessarily at their peak, but still very, very successful or starting to reach uh, a level of success that, that I suspect most bands are trying for. Uh, and it's, it's even more rare, I think, when both the singer and the band continue their respective successes after the split. Today, I think we should uh, feature a couple of those bands, which are the kind of rarest of the rare rock bands that fit that scenario. So who doesn't fit that scenario? Well, certainly we're not going to be featuring Wings, of course. Uh, just not the same band after that kid McCartney left. Um, also, not going to feature uh, Joy Division slash New Order or ACDC, um, because again, they don't really fit this this theme because they, they didn't lose their singers by choice. Um, but they did both experience great success after the change. But uh, again, today we're, we're trying to uh, highlight some of the bands that had a, a split with their lead vocalist. And uh, the lead vocalist went on to great success, as did the band itself. So uh, we will also not be featuring any band led by Richie Blackmore. Uh, no offense to him, but since most of his bands just had too many lead singer changes to keep track of. Uh, I'm thinking specifically, of course, of, of Deep Purple and uh, After That Rainbow. Uh, so sorry, Richie, but none of your bands are going to be on this list. So let's get into the survivors. Uh, we have to get pretty deep in the stacks for the first band, or at least deep in the stacks for their first records. Uh, so here's a little band called Genesis with The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. So it was the 70s, of course, so Genesis put out the obligatory rock opera, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Uh, that double album marked the peak of their early career, but for any number of reasons, trouble was there on the horizon. So the album marked the last studio record with Peter Gabriel, of course, and ultimately Phil Collins comes from behind the drum kit to take over lead vocals. Don't feel bad, though. Uh, this not-so-amicable split ends well for all. And it, it certainly ends well for, for fans of the band and fans of Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, of course, uh, soon after releases the first of his three self-titled solo records. 
And as just a quick aside, Peter, what's up with naming them all Peter Gabriel? You know, the, the only way that you can differentiate between these first three albums is, is by describing the album cover, you know? So, hey, buddy, what, what album is that? Well, it's Peter Gabriel. It's, it's a self-titled album. You know, the one where his face is melting on the cover. Or, you know, he's sitting in a, in a sedan somewhere in the rain. But anyway, uh, again, just a brief aside. But here's Peter Gabriel immediately post-Genesis with Salisbury Hill. And yeah, that's that's one of Peter Gabriel's better-known songs, and, and normally I would have liked to, to feature one that's a, maybe a deeper track, but given that the song is really about the split with the rest of the band, it, it was really hard to avoid featuring that one by Peter Gabriel. So with Gabriel and Steve Hackett gone from the original lineup, uh, Genesis is down to three, and their sound evolves to places very, very different from that of the original group. You know, the Lamb Lies Down of Broadway and, and the albums that preceded that. Uh, in my view, some mixed results, of course. But uh, here's one that I definitely enjoy from the Abacab album.
So Genesis, you know, really is unique in this respect. Uh, not only did the band and, and Peter Gabriel both continue success in the music industry after the split, but they both became even more popular than the band that they broke. Um, very uncommon circumstances, you know. So again, you have, um, you have Peter Gabriel uh, ultimately eclipsing the popularity of the original lineup of Genesis, and you have Genesis itself carrying on without him and exploding in popularity uh, beyond the Peter Gabriel, Steve Hackett days. Now, the next two bands we talk about similarly are going to find success after the implosion of their original lineup. Uh, and again, it's success by both the departing vocalist and the remaining band, uh, which makes them, in my view, uh, quite unique in uh, the rock genre. So this next band's debut album was an absolute monster. A self-titled release that became a staple of rock radio in the late 70s and remains inarguably one of the great hard rock records of all time. Not only did it establish the band as a top act, but it made the lead guitarist immediately a legend. This, of course, is Van Halen. By the time the 1984 album is released, Van Halen is at the absolute top of its game. So what better time to split with their charismatic lead singer? But before we get to David Lee Roth, let's just revisit a cut from that original Van Halen debut album. So outside the band, David Lee Roth immediately surrounds himself with some of the other, uh, some other top-notch hard rock musicians, including Steve Vai, Billy Sheehan, and he dives headlong into the MTV uh, features. For a time, it was really hard to avoid him, uh, as I recall. But you know, his clown prince of rock act aside, he really brought it in his solo work. So here's one from his first solo release. <laughs> Whoa! Jeez, beautiful! 
Now, the interesting part about this particular split is that in some respects, David Lee Roth ends up holding tighter to the Van Halen sound than the band does when they bring in Sammy Hagar. Uh, the keyboard sounds that Eddie Van Halen brought into the 1984 album you know, stick with the band, uh, whereas Roth goes a bit further back into their catalog for his signature sound. And of course, as you know, Van Halen finds enormous success with Sammy Hagar as their lead singer. Much more successful long-term than they had been over that similar period with, with David Lee Roth. And whether you prefer the Van Hagar version or the original Van Halen, there is no disputing their success in that second version of Van Halen. And here's one from them. you're saying why don't you ever play any goth well glad you're here with us today you're going to want to stick around if this is your style Bauhaus was slowly but noticeably expanding their audience over the course of uh, four albums and some separate uh, single releases and were essentially at the peak of their popularity when they dropped this one Cutting room floor Look like sport 
So of course, what better time to break up the band, right? Gonna be a disaster, right? Well, not exactly, not exactly. Peter Murphy drops a couple of uh, pretty well-received solo albums and starts a tremendous side project with Mick Karn from Japan, uh, the band Japan. And they start a, a, a project by the name of Dali's Car, and that's D-A-L-I apostrophe S, Car, uh, after Salvador Dali, of course. Now, if you're not familiar with Dali's Car, please, please, please take the time to look it up, give it a listen. I don't think you'll be disappointed, but it will certainly stretch you a bit. It will also help you uh, if you continue to be a podcast listener, because in a future episode, when we talk about bass players, I will definitely be talking about Mick Karn. Anyway, with a little help from MTV, Peter Murphy ultimately explodes back on the scene with the song Cuts You Up. Now, the rest of the band stayed together uh, post-Bauhaus, but different than Genesis and Van Halen, they don't continue under the original Bauhaus name. And I know there were legal proceedings and all of that uh, which prevented that from happening, but everyone who followed Bauhaus, of course, followed them when they reemerged as Love and Rockets.
And that, of course, was Kundalini Express from the uh, second Love and Rockets album, Express. As with Peter Murphy, the band continued to get more and more popular over the course of their post-Bauhaus career. So again, this is one of those situations where the split ends up being good for both the departing singer uh, and the band itself. Now, interestingly, in, in uh, late 1986, early 87, I had the opportunity to see both uh, factions of the, of the band live in consecutive, I guess it was about a two-month spread. Um, really, really great shows. And, and it was Peter Murphy on his first solo album, and I believe that, that Love and Rockets were either on their second or, or were recording their third solo album. I'm sorry, third uh, Love and Rockets album. Um, and again, really enjoyed both shows, but really, really makes you think, you know, what if, you know, what if Bauhaus had stayed together? Where would they have gone? Uh, what kind of experimentation or, or what kind of growth uh, might they have shown uh, as a band? All right, so that covers our theme for today. Uh, the three bands that we featured, Bauhaus, Genesis, and Van Halen. Uh, bands that at, at a very high level in their careers lost their lead singers, again, either uh, lost or threw away their lead singers, and both the band and the uh, soloist, the, the lead singer, uh, ended up uh, with a good deal of success, sometimes ex uh, eclipsing the success of the band itself uh, before the split. But because this is my podcast and I get to run the show, uh, before I close out this episode, I want to feature one band that does not fit that theme, um, but I wanted to play them anyway. So here, here's a situation where you had a, a popular band uh, kicking out their lead singer, bringing in a relatively unknown uh, singer to replace him, and exploding into a giant of the hard rock or heavy metal genre. The original lead singer, not so much success. So here's Paul Diano leading a scrappy little heavy metal band called Iron Maiden.
So Iron Maiden's Killers album with that track uh, put the band on just a rocket trajectory. And uh, again, what better time to get rid of your lead singer? But interestingly, in, in replacing Diano uh, with that muscular rock voice that he had, they bring in a singer with just a very, very different sound and a different style. So here's a bit of the Bruce Dickinson version of the band with his soaring vocal style. There you have it. Sometimes the parts are greater than the whole, other times not. Until next time, I'm David, and this has been Divinal Interventions. Talk with you again soon. Take care. <laughs>